Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We're digging into the digital revolution. We hear over and over and over today that talent is the big thing. You know, everybody is that's the top priority. There's a war for talent. Companies can't find enough of it. They're trying to keep it. So we're delighted today to have one of our regular digital all-stars, Pat Fitzgerald, with us. Pat is the co-founder of Career Ave, and Pat's got a special guest with him today to really dig into an exciting area about talent intelligence. Patrick, welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Bob. Always great to be back. I appreciate the uh, the invite again. And Pat, as if you're not wonderful enough all on your own, you've got a special guest you brought in today. I brought in a very close friend and honestly, a great pleasure to bring Toby Culshaw, one of the smartest guys I know, and frankly, a, a huge innovator in the talent intelligence space across the marketplace. Uh, and I'm really excited to be able to open up this discussion because I really think this is a, a mystery kind of in that black box sort of technology. And, I, and I'm grateful for Toby to be able to spend some time with us to really break it down and give us a, a view and perspective. Well, Toby, any friend of Pat's, a friend of ours here at Cloud Wars, so welcome. It's great to meet you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I don't know what it says about Pat's friendship group, if I'm one of the smartest people he knows. Uh, I apologize for the rest of Pat's friendship group, uh, but it's an absolute pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I love talking about all things TI and, and labor market intelligence, so thank you so much for having me. Sure, sure, sure. And, um, you know, I, I, Toby, thank you for mentioning that. We would we like to manage expectations appropriately here, Cloud Wars Live, so that's good to see. But Pat, you've, um, you've talked some about talent intelligence and how significant that is for companies today. As, as we see these, uh, these trends around the number of job openings, the companies looking for you know, great talent, everybody trying to find these new, uh, keener, front edge sort of jobs that uh, I'm not saying they didn't exist before, but there are new sorts of requirements, new sorts of skills coming in. So Pat, how about if I turn it over to you and Toby and you guys knock this around for a little bit? Great, I appreciate that, Bob, thank you. I, I, personally, for me, uh, I find that as I talk to my clients across the board, across all the technologies, um, everyone is in some version or another moving into some form of talent intelligence or organization and ultimately the analytics. But what I'm finding, and I'm really grateful for Toby to be able to come in and kind of give us a little bit of guidance on exactly what TI is in his world, but I'm finding a lot across all my clients, they're all utilizing it very differently. And honestly, completely different in, in some companies from one company to another, more of a sourcing model. Uh, and, and, and if I'm correct, talent intelligence as it looks into the future, is not really a sourcer. It is entirely something different. So Toby, um, that you and I have talked about that. <laughs> You've explained talent intelligence to me several times. I'm still confused, but reality is, is I think where you're going and what you're creating uh, really is a huge asset for large corporations around their best talent practices. And that's a big challenge in today's market as Bob has mentioned. So Toby, if you're comfortable, if you give us a, kind of a, a, the high level view and then down into some granularity as to what you see and what you're building uh, at Amazon, what you see talent intelligence is for the future. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think there's, there's probably a, a slight confusion about what talent intelligence is because the definition itself is, is still so um, 
loose, uh, for want of a better turn of phrase. Generally speaking, the, the kind of agreed definition was you, it's the application of external data relating to people, skills, jobs, functions, competitors, geographies to drive business decisions. That, that was working fairly well. P people were fairly comfortable with that. It, it was you know, being used fairly comfortably. And then a number of uh, vendors started entering the scene using definitions slightly differently. Um, but how people were using tooling and how the outcomes were changing was, was changing the, the meaning slightly. So by and large, uh, and you have people analytics team started getting involved as well. So by and large, the, the definition shifted a little to say it's more around the augmentation of internal and external people data with the application of technology, science insights, and then the flow through to relating to people's skills, jobs, function, competitors, geographies, with the important piece being to drive business decisions. And I think that's where you're seeing a, a split in the market at the moment is talent, and it may well be talent intelligence is named wrong. In all honesty, it could be an actual fact when you look at the overall definition, what it really is, is labor market intelligence or workforce intelligence. It's broader than the, the, the tighter talent remit. Um, I think what a lot of teams are doing at the moment is, is what I'd consider sourcing intelligence. So it's how do we recruit better? How do we um, manage hiring manager expectations? How do we look at our, our ch channel optimization, uh, our talent acquisition uh, analytics, et cetera? TI has the potential for, for much more, in, in my humble opinion. Um, I think you can get a much broader spectrum, much more holistic spectrum. Um, and I think our customer base is much wider. I, I think um, once you, you take the blinkers off of working within the talent acquisition silo, there's, there, there are a lot of people out there that want our data and, and want access to this stuff. Um, I think historically, TA has been very good at, um, it's a bit like the duck metaphor. We're very good at looking calm and serene on the top, and, and we never like to tell anyone how feverishly we're working underneath. But the problem is with that, all of the info, all of the intel, all the knowledge we're gathering underneath doesn't bubble to the surface. We're not very good at actually breaking down these wall gardens and letting the business know all of this amazing, rich intelligence we have to, to actually further the business and make things work better. Toby, is, am I correct? <clears throat> Talent intelligence is kind of born out of the social recruiting models of the early days where you put out an automated questionnaire. Is that kind of the fundamental of where the data begins? So essentially you've got two main waves of TI. You had the, the first wave um, probably around 90, late 90s into the early, early noughties where there were a couple of big platforms. Uh, MZ was one of the big platforms, wanted analytics, et cetera, that were first taking a stab at these kind of big macro data sets and saying, what, what does the world look like? And it, at that stage, it was much more of an economist type profile that would engage with these data sets. Um, it, move on, roll through about another decade, and you suddenly have a second wave. You have a lot more platforms coming through. You've got the likes of uh, Stratagens, you've got Talent Neuron, um, you've got LinkedIn Talent Insights more recently. Lots more platforms coming in that are making it with a simplified user interface, and, and you know, the pre-mentioned MZs come forward, leaps and bounds in that time frame as well. Um, a much more simplified user interface. So suddenly the end user doesn't have to be hardcore analysts they don't have to be hardcore data folks it can they can use this pre-aggregated data to say what what is the market looking like so it's less around the primary data around survey response and around the candidate perception where that that side of things is fantastic but it's more around if we're looking at things at a macro level 
what do the skills look like in the market? What do the jobs look like in the market? What are competitors doing in the market? Um, and so suddenly you can scale things up to, to business strategy. So rather than the, the micro looking at the, the requisition and the sourcing strategy and, and looking at the feasibility of that requisition, we can suddenly scale up and say, well, what's the feasibility of our entire location strategy? What's the feasibility of um, our entire business strategy? If you're doing M&A activity, you're buying a company, you want to take it from 70 people to 7,000, is that even possible? Is that even feasible? So uh, really at its heart, TI nowadays is around the feasibility of decision-making and then de-risking the decisions that are being made using it, external labor market data. So take us into a little more detail. What are the key, key categories of data that you really track? What are the big indicators? And then where is, and my, my hope is, is that as we end this conversation, where's it going? Where do you see all this data really evolving to the next phase of, you know, where TI is going? Yeah, great question. So the, the, the core bread and butter, as I'd say, is um, demand, supply, uh, and cost. They're, they're, that's like the holy, holy trinity that are at the, the foundation of pr pretty much every decision. It's what, what is the demand for that skill set? What's the supply of that skill set? And what, what's it going to cost me? Not only in, in pure uh, salary costs, but, but total costs. Um, once you start evolving further, you start bringing in other data sets, and that, that aligns also with bringing in broader stakeholders. So as, as you're working with uh, stakeholder groups further outside of TA, people want other things. So broader HR will want, want to, to understand broad, broader data sets within, within the HR. What's the ease of doing business? What's the risk appetite within that country? You might look at the, the cultural norms and the Hofstadter scale to say, is there a the likelihood of success of this type of business model in that given country? Um, then you start broadening into, say, real estate, and you start looking at infrastructure costs, and you start looking at the, the once again, the ease of doing business if you're doing a, a manufacturing site um, or, or a, a warehouse facility. What's the infrastructure around that? Are we going to be able to fly people in? Are we about to be able to, to get people out again, um, et cetera? And as you start broadening out and working through different functions, the data sets you choose will broaden. So it moves away from a core um, to some supply, demand, uh, and cost to much, much broader skill, uh, data sets. And they can be from a variety of sources. Some of them are aggregated, some of them are, are non-aggregated, some of them can be from government sources, some are from primary research, some are from um, statistical bodies. It can be quite a range of data sets. And I'd, I'd say that falls into one of the, the difficulties of the, the, the role still and the, the function still is it's still in, immature. You know, we're the second wave, but it's still very, very early days. Um, you can get two data sets that look on the face of it, not exactly the same, but because the taxonomy is different, the data can be completely different, completely mean a completely entirely different thing. And that, that flows through to your own data as well. You know, if you've got a customer service role and you're looking at external data for customer service, it could mean one thing, but it could, if your customer service is actually first line engineering support and the other customer service is a call center, entirely different so the, the detail within that taxonomy means a lot and it's it's still very very messy in terms of what that looks like externally um i think that will evolve to, to your second point around the future i think one thing that we're, i'm seeing heavily at the moment in the us for example is the sec getting involved in terms of bringing in a standardization of hr analytics and hr metrics i think that sort of work can really help ti shift forward a year 
or many gears because mm. su suddenly you can look into a competitive intelligence in a very different way because all of the data that we've historically been inferring or, or looking at and, and looking at the data and saying, well, we've got a degree of accuracy on this, whether it's the, the DNI ratio of competitors, whether it's the um, demographic makeup, makeup of competitors, et cetera. If the SEC get filings and start getting some teeth and nailing that down, we can suddenly do competitive intelligence in a, a very, very uh, much more aggressive way and a much more targeted way. Hey, Pat and Toby, that was a, that was a fascinating point. <clears throat> I want to come back to that, but first a quick word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. That's great. That's amazing. So if I understand, you can actually kind of take the analytics by role, by experience, right? And start to do a demographic or even a geography breakdown. If a company wants to move into a new geography, they have the, you have the ability to really provide, and like you said, different granularity, one being a technical, you know, support person versus a call center. So you actually have that amount of information or you can, you can get that on a high level from even how, uh, even into the more senior ranks by, by experience? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's always gonna be data limitations. So there are certain geographies that will be more difficult. You know, if you go outside of the, the regions that have got traditionally clean data. So LinkedIn is a great example of a very clean data set or arguably a clean data set. Um, the regions where LinkedIn's got a high market penetration, you're going to have a, a fair degree of certainty on, on where that's going directionally. When you start moving into other regions, the Far East, parts of Africa, South America, so even some parts of Europe, um, the data sets are just harder to get. So it, it's, we're certainly not there. We're definitely not there as an industry yet. There, there is still lots to do. Um, but I think the, the, the exciting thing is challenging and questioning how else can this be used? I think I think... Can, can it be used for, for talent acquisition? Absolutely, yes. You know, can you drill it down to the profile level and do sourcing intel? Absolutely, yes. That's still very, very important, very powerful. I think every piece of recruitment should have intel at the front end to, to set the feasibility before you're kicking off. Um, I think it actually should be for the hiring manager when you're putting things into a system. You, you, wow. you get the intel before that to set feasibility. Um, but I think the real power is when you start saying, how do we use this to affect decision-making at a business level earlier? How do we look at the, 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 the labor that competitors are starting to hire and see how are they pivoting as an organization? If they're suddenly hiring skill sets they've never hired for before, why is that? If they're suddenly hiring into regions they've never hired into before, why is that? From an exec perspective, if they're suddenly taking execs in that we can uh, say, we know that exec has triggered a period of success in their previous organizations, what does that that success look like? Do, does that exec come in and shift it from a product sales organization to a solution sales organization? If they do that for this new competitor, how, what does that mean? How does that move from a skill set perspective? How does that move from a location perspective? If, if we're aligned on certain locations and we have solution sales individuals, suddenly we've got potential flight risks. We've got that they're going to be targeting our individuals. So suddenly you tie into HR and talent management and talent engagement, and uh, suddenly it goes into attrition cycles, et cetera. Wow. So it can really spiral out into to other avenues and other directions. 
depending on how you want to use the application of that labor market intelligence. Hey, Pat, can I ask a question here? Yeah, please. Toby, it's again, fascinating. Um, <clears throat> I wonder, you know, what you were just describing a little bit about, you know, getting better insights into everything from competitive intelligence to where we can, uh, you know, a company can best uh, seize new opportunities for itself. Clearly, over the last two or three years, and especially in the last 21 months, every organization has undergone incredible changes. And I think in some ways, there's been so much focus on, you know, getting the whole digital part right, that a lagging indicator has been organizational structures in companies. So I think we're starting to see companies now saying, hey, wait, I've, I've done this and this, now I got to get my org structure more attuned to where I'm headed in the future. Can talent intelligence help in that sort of an exercise absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely so I, I guess there's there's two main way, ways i think ti can can help with the, the, the org structuring piece um or three well what, one is tying in with your, your, your existing internal data sets so tying in with people analytics tying in with your, your org design teams and and seeing how things fit and why they fit and how if we're looking to change that how does that sit from an external perspective i think the the, the more interesting for me because i'm biased uh, elements though are, are suddenly going what are our competitors doing how, how are they structured and so using uh, osint so open source intelligence data um looking at linkedin profiles looking at job descriptions looking at careers websites looking at the company pages for their, their senior leadership teams for example and then reverse engineering and saying okay well how does that work how does that fit together why does it fit together that way um, you can obviously go to the next level, which would be the primary research where you're actually talking to people that work at or have worked at those organizations and say, this is where we're at. This is what we think it looks like. How does that fit? How does that work? When you're looking at the roles and responsibilities and the fl flow through, how does that actually work operationally? Because quite often you can have two organizations on the face of it, the same org structure, same design, centralized versus decentralized, et cetera, et cetera. But where the budget's held can completely alter how things actually work, how successful a go-to-market strategy is, etc. Um, so I, absolutely, I think the org design can be really, really important, particularly then when you when you roll through with a, a macro data lens of saying, how does this structure from a, a an organizational pyramid perspective, how top heavy is that organization versus um, bottom heavy and why? Suddenly that can flow into um, the actual strategy of companies. And when we had it in the past where we, we targeted a certain number of consulting firms, and looking purely at the, the organizational design structure pyramid to say, where is the experience? What is the level of that experience? Where does it sit from a job title, from a role and responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. We, we could understand the go-to-market they were trying to play and, and how they were changing their model versus other competitors to try and hit a certain niche. Um, there's no way they were going to be publishing that. There's no way we'd know that unless we were in the, the, the pitch meetings with them for a competitor. But from looking at from a labor market perspective, you can you can reverse engineer it and see what their play is. Fascinating. Thanks, Pat. Well, my pleasure. So, Toby, um, I'm going to take it down if you're comfortable to kind of a tactical level from a TA perspective. Granted, as you've mentioned, there's a huger impact way beyond certainly talent. Um, but for an organization like yours, um, this data, especially as you mature it, can really help redefine the original job description. So job descriptions today are, you know, have been predominantly tactical positions themselves versus the soft skills, culture, scale 
the analytics side of it. So if if I'm reading, if I'm understanding, you can a company that's maturing in TI can take all that data and really redefine the whole job description, one piece of the talent side. Um, and then if I if I'm understanding, can actually then take it to a whole nother level of how do you, we've both worked in companies that we give out uh, interview guides, as we say, for some of the more difficult positions for the interview teams to, you know, really help them define their, their role in the interview cycle that's different from each other. And, and if I understand correctly, all this information can help redefine those interviewer guides so that the candidate experience is, is entirely different, whether it be live or online as we see today. Uh, but then if I'm understanding it, it also then takes it into uh, really helping define the company culture, hiring talent specific that actually you've been able to identify has some of those cultural norms that fit in better and then scale and promotability and, and leadership development opportunity. Some of this stuff really can help, you know, not predict, but, but help define those outcomes as we build along. Am I correct in seeing it from a, from a TA perspective? Yeah, absolutely, all of that. And I think certain elements of that probably tying closer and tighter with people analytics teams as well. Um, but I think they're, they're pushing uh, towards the, the TI side of the world as well. Um, but, but absolutely, you know, we're seeing a big move at the moment where people are moving away from job titles and, and job descriptions to saying, well, actually, we need a skill set. We need yep. skills within our organization. When we're doing our strategic workforce planning, it's not saying we need more X job title. It's saying we're going to need this capability within the organization. What does that capability look like in the market? How does it look like? Um, what are the, the, the parallels and the transferable skills, particularly at the moment where it's such a, an aggressive talent market? You can right. say, what are those transferable areas? What, what, where can we pull? You know, data scientists is a great one where, you know, they could be in marketing, they could be in finance, they could be in HR, they could be in TI. If you go by job title, you're not going to find these individuals. You need to understand the skills that underpin all of that. That's excellent. Um, and absolutely, you can you can use TI to start helping to leverage and helping to, to just look at what are the alternative options for us. And, and I think that's that's the key thing generally is TI won't necessarily give you the answers. It allows you to ask smarter questions. If we are, Toby, I have kind of two last questions. One, um, naturally, where do you see this evolving? Where is all this data as a maturing in you know industry? And, and companies that are really utilizing TI well, where does it look like it's gonna evolve next year and into the future? And my second question is, for those corporations today that don't have their own internal TI organization, are there firms, you mentioned a few before, that are out there that have this up-to-date information, data analytics that they can go out and purchase or, or contract with or, or subscribe to? Can you give us a little guidance on that area? Yeah, so I think in terms of the first question, where do I think it's going? Um, I honestly, I'm very biased. I, I honestly think it's limited only by our own imagination. You know, if you ask any CEO, what, what's their, um, their, their biggest asset? It's their people. Yeah. What's their biggest risk for the future? It's access to the right people. So whatever the business function, market, business unit, decision-making point um, your organization is going through, it ties back to people. So understanding those people, both internally through people analytics, HR analytics, or externally through through TI, is absolutely key. Uh, so I think 
where it goes in the future is very much only limited by by ourselves. I think that that plays out in different ways, though. I think you have the the one element where it ties in closer with, say, people analytics, strategic workforce planning, talent forecasting, planning, etc., where you almost end up with a holistic uh, talent analytics forecasting strategy function. I think the other angle is the commercial element and the commercial use of talent intelligence tying in with competitive intelligence or business intelligence and marketing intelligence. And that would lend itself more to a centralized intelligence function where you say, we're actually an, an intelligence function first and we just happen to be looking at, at labor market data. Um, either of those models I could absolutely see happening in the future or a blended approach of, of both. Uh, to your second question around the vendors, lots out there. Uh, I mentioned MZ, EMSI, uh, uh, which is the Economic Modeling Institute. Uh, you've got LinkedIn Talent Insights, you've got Stratagens, you've got Horsefly Analytics, Talent Neuron, lots and lots of others. Uh, and apologies to all the vendors I haven't mentioned there. There's no preference in name dropping. Uh, apologies to the others. Uh, it all depends on what you're trying to achieve. So some of them will be aimed more towards workforce planning. Some of them will be aimed more towards talent acquisition and, and, and upskilling uh, talent acquisition professionals. Uh, some of them will be aimed more towards competitive intelligence. So depending on what your flavor you're trying to get out of the, the situation, um, there, there's going to be there's going to be routes from a, a vendor perspective. And then there are individuals that, that do this sort of consulting externally uh, and they, they do consulting situations. So uh, there are lots of different routes available. That's excellent. Bob, I want to kind of close with my, my feeling on all this because I just think this stuff is amazing and, and seeing the data really as we look at talent going into the future. But it reminds me that the old school recruiter that based their personal recruiting model on networks, personal networks, market intelligence and competitive intelligence is nice that it, we're seeing through these organizations and people like Toby to automate all that so that the, the old school recruiters model is continuing to evolve in a much more digital world, which is kind of exciting. Uh, and last, I'd like to ask those of us, those that are viewing, um, obviously Toby has just touched on the surface and, and there's so much more into this particular topic and evolution of talent, uh, talent uh, intelligence and, and uh, talent acquisition. Um, if you have questions, let us know. That way, if you really would like, maybe we can get down and maybe we can invite Toby back in the future and talk about maybe some specific details that uh, seem to rise through, through this uh, particular cast. Yeah, Pat, that sounds like a great plan. And Toby, uh, just want to thank you. That was fascinating. And uh, Pat, Toby, I think one of the points that Toby made toward the end there when he said, I think, um, you know, appropriately, humbly, but uh, TI might not always give you all the answers, but it helps you ask the right questions. Yep. It sounded to me as an outsider hearing about this, if I'm somewhere in an organization, I hear some people start to think in the ways that you described, Toby, hey, if we have that, then we can look at this. If we have this, then we can look at something else. And it, it just kicks open a new way of thinking. So I wonder if one of the um, perhaps unexpected impacts of this is it gives the entire organization a new way to at least consider how they might think about data and intelligence and moving forward. So it, it seemed like something that's going to lift up everybody's head a little bit and say, am I looking at things in too narrow of a perspective? And maybe I need to look a little bigger, a little higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, once again, I'm very biased, but I, I completely agree. 
Well, Patrick, Toby, thank you so much. Right? It's a fascinating discussion. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Toby, thank you for being with us. Pat, thanks for bringing in such a, a bright light here. Uh, this was this was a lot of fun. And uh, gentlemen, thank you. This this was great. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Toby. Thank you and both so much. Thanks, guys. And to all of you, thanks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Uh, Mr. Fitzgerald, our good friend, Fitzgerald on talent, you know, has hit a home run here. I'm sure he will next time as well. Thanks for being with us and we'll see you again soon.